Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. If you're new or visiting this morning, we hope you feel at home. We hope you feel welcome. And uh, I know there's some people who couldn't be with us this morning because uh, they live in various places uh, where the weather has cut them off from civilization. Uh, I know some people couldn't get through the water, which is crazy. I haven't seen rain like this in a long time. And, uh, but yeah, so it's good to be here this morning. I genuinely mean that. I think, as I was saying, this series we've been going through, Shepherd. I don't know about you, but it's been one of the most impactful things I've ever had to study for. And more so, one of the more... Impact, most impactful things that I've journeyed through in a church. I think it's been uh, so insightful and it's really challenged my walk with God. It's really challenged what it looks like for me to do life with God rather than just doing life on my own and coming to God every now and again for some leading, but actually what it looks like when God leads our life. And uh, unfortunately, this is uh, the last week. And like Holly said, all but one of the podcasts are online. We had some technical difficulties, so last week's unfortunately wasn't on there. But, but if you want to re-listen to this, I've re-listened to them. I've re-listened to most of them. I think they're incredible. And if we can get hold of this as a church, if we can understand what being led by the shepherd looks like, it will change this church. It will change our individual lives. It will change our lives as a collective, as a family. It is so important. Um, but let's jump into our last, uh, into our last week, week six. Uh, so if you'd like to turn me, Psalm 23. I'm going to be reading it out if you don't have it, so don't worry. I'll read the whole thing. Psalm 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amazing. I know we've already prayed, but let's just pray and commit this message to God and let it be His words and not mine. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here. Thank you that this is a scripture that is so close to our heart as a church. Thank you for the journey that you've taken us on over these past six weeks. God, let this not just be good entertainment on a Sunday morning or good church club or uh, just you know, good knowledge that we can leave and share with people. But God, let this be life-changing, transformational revelation that changes the way that we walk, that changes the way that we love people, that changes our relationship with you for the better. So God, I pray this morning, I commit this message to you. Let it be your words. God, let me communicate your heart and not my own. We thank you that you've already gone before us and that you have already gone after us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to someone next to you say, it's good to see you in church this morning. Well, you're quiet today. You're quiet today. We need waking up. We need shaking up. Is it the weather? Is it the weather? It's all right. 
Oh no, it's all right. Take no notice. Okay, so I wonder what your relationship with promises is. Have you ever have you ever thought about your relationship with promises? What I mean by that is, let me just do some stage clearing. One second. I mean by that, what is your relationship with promises? Do you make promises often that you can't keep? Or do you make promises that you know you can keep? In fact, you only make promises if you know you can keep them. I don't know about you, but I'm probably the former. I uh, tend to make lots of promises, and uh, I don't tend to keep a whole lot of them. Now, that might sound like a very shocking, alarming thing for a pastor to say, but just hear me out. I mean, I mean, all right, don't be judging me. I, I mean... It's not that I have like an unreliable character or I don't really want to come through on with what I say or I'm not bothered or I'm lazy. It's not that. It's actually more so that on the front end of the promise making, I just get so excited about what could be and I get so excited about all the potential and opportunity that I promise far too much. And then when it comes down to it, I actually don't have anything of what it requires to be able to deliver on what I promised. I mean, even on a small level, we've all experienced making a promise that we couldn't keep. I remember being a child and, or, or a teenager, and your mom gives you that phone call on the way home from somewhere saying, can you put the oven on for me? Yeah, sure. And then you see her pull into the driveway, and you suddenly realize, I never put the oven on. And you make, you make the last ditch dive to go and turn the oven on and hope she doesn't realize, I think it's some fault in the oven. Or the dishwasher, you've experienced that one, like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it before you get home, don't worry. And uh, Holly, many a times, I've been saying, yeah, I'll do that before you get home from work, promise. And uh, she's probably like, he's not going to do it, he's just not going to do it. And uh, I usually do, but there's been times when Holly gets home, and as soon as I hear that car door shut, I'm like, I got to scramble, I got to go do the dishes, like, I've been busy today, you know, I got dishes, every time my brother comes in, I seem to be doing dishes, and, uh, and uh, I hate doing dishes, but you got to do them, don't you? I remember this one time, my friend, he owned a little gardening business, and uh, me and, and this friend, we often ha- share this similar uh, characteristic where we, will, we, we love to get excited and promise big things, uh, the, the results, we don't talk about them. Um, but I remember he had this gardening business, and I'd often help him every now and again when he just needed a spare person. When his like, business partner wasn't available, I'd, I'd come in and, and help him for a day or so. And there's this one day he said, hey, look, uh, can you come and help me on this Saturday? Yeah, sure. So I get to his house, and we get a phone call from someone saying, look, do you do fences? Now, what she didn't know is whatever you were going to ask for, we could do. So yeah, we do fences. And um, I'd never done a fence in my entire life. And uh, it wasn't a lie. It was just an optimistic statement, okay? And, um, and I remember saying, yeah, we do fences. And, uh, well, he said, actually, and I was on beside him, like, oh, we do fences now. And, and uh, so we, we jump in the car, and we're going to go do a quote for this big, you know, for this fencing project. Now, I'm imagining, you know, like someone's little garden, want a little bit of a fence up. Easy business, easy. This is just an easy day in the office, in the garden. Uh, so we get there to what looked like a kind of old farmhouse type of thing, the biggest garden I've ever seen in my entire life. And we, we start speaking to the woman. The woman said, look, we've just never had fences up before, and we're really keen to get some fences. 
Now, we were being like, we were excited. We were, we were painting visual pictures of the amazing garden that this woman would have once we were finished with her garden. And we were telling her like, oh, we, we can put, we can do this. We meant it too. I fully believe we can do this. Uh, we were, you know, we were put up the best fence you've ever, in fact, you're going to regret going to anyone else ever for your fences until when you have seen how good these fences will be. In fact, you'll be telling your neighbors, your friends, everyone about how good these fences are. And, uh, you know, we were excited and we were, and the job just seemed to get bigger and bigger. And like, this was a big job. And I think it was only about halfway through when I just gave my friend a look like, like, this is big. I'm not saying I'm not being negative. This is big. Like, this is a big job. And I'm sure some of you are sat there wondering, like, did you, did you, did you scam them? Like, no, we didn't scam them. And we ended up realizing that what we had promised to this woman was far, far beyond the reach of anything we could actually do ourselves. I'm pretty sure we were about 17 or 18 at the time. And uh, it must have been the funniest thing for this woman to hear these two young guys talking about these amazing fences. And it was a moment where we kind of realized when we'd got back home, we'd, you know, we genuinely tried pricing stuff up and putting it together and thinking we can, we could do it. Could we, can we do it? Can I, no, we, can, we can't do this, can we? And there was a moment where we realized we are in over our heads. And actually, that's something I realized that I tend to do quite often. I overpromise things because I get so excited. And then when it comes down to it, I might not always be able to deliver on it. And it just made me think this morning, I wonder what your relationship with promises is. I wonder maybe if you've been on the receiving end of a story like that. Have you been on the receiving end where maybe a lot in life has been promised to you? Maybe uh, you went down a, a road in your life, you went down a, a career path, or you went down a, a relationship, or you went down something in your life that promised you everything, but actually gave you nothing. We've all experienced that to some degree, disappointment. We've all experienced what it feels like to be promised everything, and when it actually comes down to it, we get nothing. It's actually just a common experience that we have, isn't it? But I want to encourage you this morning, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever your journey uh, to this place was this morning, not physically, but in your life, that the God we serve is not a God who falls short of his promises. See, the God we serve, he doesn't just come through on his promises. He actually exceeds everything that he ever promised us. Our God is not a God of just enough. He is a God of more than enough. So whatever your relationship with promises is this morning... We have to realize that we're coming to a God who fulfills His promises and more. How encouraging is that? And the Bible, this book, is full of promises. And you know what? He'll come through on every single one of them. We do not come to a God who disappoints. We don't come to a God who will just give us just enough. We come to a God who comes through on His promises and exceeds them. See, we've been reading this uh, Psalm 23 for the past six weeks. We've been going through it. We've been journeying from verse 1 to verse 5. And this week we hit verse 6. And this is a really, really interesting, significant verse. And I actually think it is the perfect way for David to have capped off this psalm. And actually, this is the perfect way for us to cap off this series. David is now kind of summarizing what it looks like to live in the light of verses 1 to 5. He's talked about uh, following the shepherd. He's talked about uh, God being with you in the darkest places. He's shown us uh, what it looks like for God to defend us and to provide for us and uh, to, uh, 
to provide for us when circumstances don't line up to provision. And then now we get to this place at the end where David's like, okay, now so what? And because this is the context of how he's writing it, we need to take note. We need to lean in. And okay, if this is David saying, like, what next? Isn't that the perfect question for us to ask at the end of this series? Okay, amazing series, but what now? What next? See, these for David are essentially promises that shape the way we go forward. Promises that shape our relationship with God. These are essentially God's promises to us for life. These are essentially who God is in our life. So can you hear the significance of this? This isn't just a good way to end a series. This is actually David saying, in the light of everything we've gone through, in the light of all this stuff. And remember, David had a crazy life. Like he was a shepherd, he was a king, he was an outlaw, he was hunted, people hated him. He was marginalized and then he was back in a good place. And and now he's at this place towards the end of his life reflecting on God and his life. And he's saying, this is how you live with God. This is what relationship looks like. So we need to lean in. If you're taking notes this morning, I got three promises. And uh, as I was preparing this, this was a battle. Not every, every message or every talk uh, it comes together super quickly. Some of them you have to really wrestle for. This was a message I really, really had to wrestle for. What is David saying? I feel like there's three really important promises that can change our life. If you're taking notes, the first one is God never comes up short. God never comes up short. The beginning of this psalm says, Surely, or of this verse says, Surely, your goodness and mercy will follow me for all the rest of my days, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely. Now, when I first read this, I thought this is interesting because like, I kind of thought this whole psalm was uh, you know, about uh, this is who the shepherd is, this is what's happening. But then all of a sudden, he says, surely, which sounds like a question, like surely. Oh, we've got some background music. <laughs> it's all good. He says, surely, this is like to me, I was like, oh, is this a question? Is this, is this God saying, like, or David saying, like, if I step out, then maybe, just maybe? Or like, if I go down this road, then surely he's going to come through? But actually, we might read it like that. We might understand it that way. But the way David intended it for us to read this is not surely as a question, but surely as a guarantee. So David isn't saying, maybe God will come through. He's saying... Anything God does is guaranteed. God is an absolute. God is not a maybe or a possibly. He is a certainly. Which means that everything about his character is a certainly. Everything about his nature is an absolutely. I think this is so encouraging for us. This is not a question. And this statement is as concrete as it is encouraging. We've got all the sounds going off this morning. (laughs) <laughs> don't worry I, I mean I don't think I have like ADD or something but sometimes I'm like twitching up here I can hear all these noises I'm trying to concentrate no it's all good happens to the best of us this is one of the key characteristics of God this is something that we got to take note of that actually nothing about God is maybe so what so what, why, why does this matter to us well it matters because he'll do what he said he'll do 
God never comes up short. Let me read you some passages. Like, I could have picked one of 20 million verses. That was an exaggeration. Of all the different things in this book that talks about how God will never fail, how God will never leave us, how God's word just carries on and carries on, and how anything he says he will do. I've just picked four. Listen to this. Proverbs 30 verse 5. It says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God, God endures forever. Matthew 24, 35. Jesus' words, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they'll never pass away. Luke 1, 37. For no word from God will ever fail. This book is full of promises. It is full of things that tell us the nature of our God. And Psalm 23 verse 6 is no different. Surely, if God said it, He's going to do it. Okay, if God spoke it to you, it's going to happen. Let me encourage you, where humans are hollow, the shepherd is always sure. In the very relationships that we go through in our life, you know our saying, what's our relationship with promises? Can I just suggest maybe sometimes we project our own insecurities of our human relationships onto God? Don't we? Because actually in life, if we've experienced disappointment, and if everything we've ever been promised has never come to pass then why would God be any different? You know, I've, been there, I've been there myself. Like I kind of assume things about God that I would assume about other people. And actually, we've got to remember that God is not like any one of us. When people promise you things and don't deliver, we have to remember that, you know what? God is good. He will always do what He says He'll do. He will always come at the perfect time. He will never leave you hanging when you feel like you're on your own. Like, let's not take this for granted. Let's stop projecting onto God our own insecurities about human relationships. Where humans are hollow, the shepherd is always sure. You know what's funny as well? Everything makes a promise, doesn't it? Otherwise, we wouldn't follow it. I mean, let's think about it just a second. In this, like, product-driven culture, in this consumer culture, Everything makes us promises. It might be a new diet that promises amazing results. It might be a new product that promises all these amazing features. It might be a person that promises an amazing future. It might be something uh, that I haven't mentioned that promises something amazing. Leaving it to your own imagination. But you know what? Everything promises something. That's why we follow them. Nothing promises nothing. But you know what's interesting? I want to ask you a question. Is the thing that you're following able to deliver on what it's promising? Because let me encourage you, the God we serve, the God who makes all these crazy, amazing, beautiful promises can come through on every single one of them. How do we know? Because we just have to look back firstly in this word, in these pages, and see that time and time again, God came through. But let me just ask you about you in your own life. Me in my own life of 24 years, I can look back and go, God has been faithful every single time. God has provided every single time. God has not come up short once in my life. And he will never come up short in anything in your life. So if you're in here this morning and you just feel a little bit tentative, like anyone I've ever trusted has let me down or anything I've ever gone through has never really worked out, you're coming to a God who is utterly perfect. He'll do what he says he'll do. 
God never comes up short. Second promise from Psalm 23, 6. God will supply our every need. Now, these are simple. These are real simple truths. God does not come up short. That is a promise. And God will supply our every need. Listen to this. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. So this is interesting. This is a promise in itself. David's saying, surely your goodness and your love or your goodness and your mercy will follow me for the rest of the days of my life. Let's look at these little things. David's talking about these two specific elements of God. Why are these so significant? Why are these the two things that God mentions, uh, David mentions? Well, listen to this. Goodness in the Bible, obviously referring to the goodness of God. It talks a little bit about physical provision. It talks about the needs that we have in our everyday life. It talks about a blessing. It talks about like grace living, like he gives us everything we need to live life. So when David is talking about goodness, he isn't talking about like, oh, God's just a good God. He's nice. He'll, he'll make you feel good. No, he's saying God is inherently good, which means everything that comes from God is good. So when David said that goodness and mercy or goodness and love mean the same thing in this idea, that when goodness follows us, it means we have everything we need in God for this life. Everything. There is nothing that we need in this life that God does not provide for us. Goodness and love, goodness and mercy. The second idea here is Mercy or love. I keep switching those around. I think it's important that we know both of these. Different translations will say love. Different translations will say mercy. What this is essentially saying, David is saying God's love, God's heart, God's essence is a spiritual need. He fulfills our spiritual lack. All the stupid stuff we do, our sin, all the times we fall short, our brokenness, the fact that we are never enough on our own, David is saying, God's love, God's mercy will follow us. Now this sounds cool, whatever, but this is so important. Wherever we walk, wherever we go, God's mercy follows us. Which means time and time again when we screw up, time and time again we fall short. Guess what's right behind us? His mercy. And what does the word say? It says His mercy is new every morning. Each day when we fall short, when we come back on our knees to God and say, God, I did it again. There is always new mercy. Whatever you've done, wherever you've come from. This is a promise. God wants to fulfill your spiritual need this morning. So let's just break this down for a second. Let's look from verse 1 through to verse 6. He started off as a, as a sheep, like as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and we're going on this journey, and God, uh, the shepherd, leads him through the quiet waters, and, and then we go to a place of like death and destruction through this dark valley, and then we get to a place with enemies and, and people surrounding you, and yet you've you been okay in the middle, and then God still appoints you for something, and he's got purpose on your life, and this whole journey that God's leading us through, we've got God's goodness and God's mercy behind us, that as we walk forward, God's goodness and God's mercy walk behind us. See, David kind of reopens this metaphor just slightly. This metaphor about being a sheep or about being uh, pursued by enemies. 
Because as a sheep, there would have been predators coming after him and there would have been things out to kill and destroy the sheep. Same with when you were uh, being chased through the, the valley of darkness and out in the desert, you would have been pursued by people. So David's flipping this metaphor for a second and actually saying the very things that pursued you before, when you were in this state, now when you pursue me, my goodness and my mercy will pursue you. Which means that when we follow God, his goodness and his mercy follow us. How insane is that? That God's promise is his goodness and his mercy will follow us. I wonder what our life would look like if we walked like we knew what was behind us. I mean, think about this for a second. When you face a problem, when we're following the shepherd, and maybe something jumps in the way, and maybe the shepherd, we lose sight a little bit. See, the thing that we're facing can see God's goodness and his mercy. But how often do we forget what's behind us? When we stand in the face of opposition or pain or hurt or sickness or obstacle, we just suddenly feel like we're on our own. We freeze. We, we try and figure it out ourselves. But you know what the crazy thing is? The whole time, the thing that we're facing can see God's goodness and mercy behind us. It'd be like me standing on this stage with two giant bears behind me. And wherever I walk, these big bears are the things that are intimidating the people in front of me. Like flip this, wherever we go in our life, God's goodness and his mercy will follow us. Does that not change the way we walk into situations, change the way that we approach our problems? That actually if we knew these two giants were walking behind us wherever we go, that actually when people see us, they don't just see us as this lonesome little person. They see someone covered by the, the goodness and the mercy of God. That should change our entire lives. That should change the way we approach everything. We can never be intimidated by anyone anymore. We can never be held down by sickness. We can never be held down by stuff. They might still come at us and they might still take chunks. But we do not need to fear anything in front of us. Because God will provide for our physical need. He will provide for our spiritual need. And wherever we go, they come with us. I think that is insane. Let me read this out. 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So this is basically saying, God... Through Jesus Christ, through our relationship with Jesus, we have everything we need because of his glory and because of his goodness. We have everything we need for this life. But listen to this. It says, through these that he has given us, his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in divine nature. Now this is big. Okay, this is Peter saying, that when we follow God, when we, when we have relationship with Jesus, He gives us promises. And you know what the promises are? That we can partake, that we can participate in divine nature. That doesn't mean we become superhuman and we look like Superman or, or Wonder Woman or whatever. It just means that we have the ability to transcend all of the temporary. That sounds weird. We have the ability to transcend the temporary. It means that when we face situations in our life, we can partake in something that is far bigger than things that can be affected by this world. We can see that God is above it. We can see that there is hope above it. 
You know, this got me thinking about some traits of things that we follow, because we all follow something, don't we? In fact, we all might follow a few things. See, whatever you follow, it will always have friends. Anything that you follow, it always have friends. Now, let's look at God's friends for a second here. It says that when we follow the shepherd, love and mercy and goodness will follow us. See, to name a few of God's friends, peace, wholeness, freedom, forgiveness. You see, when we follow the shepherd, when we follow God, he surrounds us with his friends. But everything that we follow as friends, let's look at some other friends. Maybe this morning you're following some pain. Maybe this morning actually the thing that's driving you alive is a deep sense of hurt. Maybe someone hurt you when you were younger. Maybe you've been really, really written off in your life and you just feel a deep sense of pain. And that is the thing that governs your life. That you make decisions via this pain. You make decisions for your own life, the way you should go through this pain. Let's look at some of pain's friends. Sadness. Anger. You know, when you follow pain, you know the things will follow you. Just loneliness. Emptiness. Maybe this morning it's not pain you follow. Maybe it's like revenge. Maybe it's like, I'll show them. I'll be successful because all those people said I wouldn't be and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run at this to prove them wrong. Let's look at some of revenges and successes, friends. Self-doubt and anxiety and worry. You know, when you're trying to prove someone wrong, like every shot matters, like, oh, is this going to be me? What if I fall here? What if I... Everything we follow has friends. I wonder what are you following this morning and can you handle their friends? Because let me encourage you that God's friends are kind. When you follow God, the things he surrounds you with, wholeness, peace, hope, love, gentleness, to name one of hundreds. What are you following? Let me encourage you, whatever you're facing, Whatever life looks like right now, God will provide your every need. The thing is, it's fully dependent on whether you follow him or not. A shepherd can't provide for its sheep if the sheep just keep running off. You know, sometimes sheep run off and it's like, it's okay, I found a better way. We do that, don't we? We tell God, God, I think there's a better way to do this. I'll see you over there. And actually, we find ourselves just screwed up in the mud and Who's the one that walks through the rain and the mud to come and get us and sling us over his shoulder? It's the shepherd. This morning, I wonder, are you following the shepherd? God will never come up short. He will always supply our every need. The final promise is God provides our now and he prepares our future. Now, this is a big promise. David ends this whole psalm by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David signs this off. It's kind of like how he's going to live and where he's going to go. It's kind of like a twofold promise, this. How he's going to live and where he's going to go. So it's sort of like in the light of this psalm, in the light of all we've learned, this is what it looks like. There's two understandings for this, and we're going to go through both of them real quick. The first understanding of this is when David said, I'll dwell in the house of God forever. It's firstly, 
David on a physical level wasn't able to go to the temple. He was on the run. He wasn't able to show his face in public a lot. And actually back in those days, uh, God tended to dwell in specific places. He would dwell in what was called the Holy of Holies behind a curtain in a temple. Now this was just the way God did it. But then we zip to the New Testament. Jesus comes down and it says that he tore the veil. This is big symbolism here that now God's spirit is available to all people, all times, all places. We have access to God. But back in those days, David would have had to have gone to the temple to encounter God. Now what David is saying here is actually for the rest of my days, because I'm going to follow God, that is the place that I'm going to live. That is the place I want to spend all my time. No other place is worth it. No other time is well spent anywhere but the presence of God. Now flip that to us today. What does that mean? Now if we know that we can experience the presence of God at any time, any place, whoever we are, it means that we can live our life out of the presence of God. As in we can live, everything that we do can be within the presence of God. That means when we wake up, when we face difficult circumstances, when we face challenging circumstances, we don't know what to do, maybe we're in a little bit of a whirlwind, we can live in His, pre in his presence. That is His promise. He doesn't say, maybe I'll be with you and we'll see. Because what did we learn? God is always certain. He's always sure. You can live in his presence everywhere we go. But the second understanding of this as well is David then says this idea forever. Now when he was writing this, this most probably meant for him both for the rest of my life, but then beyond this as well. So I don't know about you, but as we... I know a lot of people really, really like dig into what heaven means. And I think heaven is going to be an amazing place. And I encourage you to read about it in the Bible. And it's a place where God exists in all of his fullness. And we can be with him completely stain-free. Back just how we were created. But I want to encourage you, don't let the idea of heaven one day cloud the idea of heaven now. Because the other thing with this is that when Jesus said, I want you to pray like this, he says, may heaven meet earth. That were the words of Jesus. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We can experience heaven here. But you know what? We can also experience heaven after this life. And that is a promise from God. That as we go through life, we have to remember we've been made for a greater hope. We've been made for a greater existence. We've been made for something bigger than what we experience here. And that is a promise that God wants to give us. Let me read this passage, Philippians 1.6. It says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God wants to you to experience him right now. Not to wait one day for you to be in heaven. That's a surety. That's a promise. If you follow him, you will spend eternity after this life with him. But he wants to work in you right now. He wants to work in you right now. Listen to this. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4. It says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. I love this. This is the idea of riches that can't be spoiled by dust. 
that can't be touched by circumstances. Again, let's just think real quickly about these characteristics. Whatever you follow will always have a, a way to live and it will always have a place that's taken you. I just want to ask you this morning, is it the way you want to live and is it where you want to go? Because things will offer you certain promises of places that will take you, ah, significance and, and success and money. It might promise you that one day the future is you'll be enough. You'll feel okay. You'll feel like you've got it all together. But then God is saying, I have glorious future for you. I have purpose for you to live now. I have freedom for you to live in now. Uh, this might be basic for some people this morning, but we need to remember that what God says, He'll do. Everything takes you somewhere, but is it where you want to go? I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to come into close. Let me just remind you, God never comes up short, ever. He will always supply your every need and He'll provide your now and prepare your future. Just as we're finishing here, I want to ask you a question. Have we maybe found ourselves guilty of forgetting the beginning? Have we maybe forgotten that God promises these things? In fact, have we maybe forgotten who it is that promises us these things? And we might be trying to find this in religion going through the motions of showing up to church and singing songs and praying and we're just missing that connection with the shepherd. I just want to remind you whose perspective this psalm was written from. It wasn't written from the shepherds. It wasn't written from God's perspective saying, like, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep. It's not saying that. It's written from the eyes of the sheep, isn't it? I wonder maybe if you've forgotten the beginning. You know, by the time we've done six weeks, by the time you've read six verses, in that short space of time, have we maybe forgotten the very first line of this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As simple as that. The sheep have to follow the shepherd. If the sheep want all the blessings, the protection, the covering, the guidance of the shepherd, they just got to follow the shepherd. Here's the thing is God will never impose on your life. He's only ever going to invite. God isn't an imposer. He's an inviter. Okay, so God stood there with his hands wide open right now saying, look, I want to provide for your physical need, your spiritual need. I, I, want, to, I want to prove to you that I never come up short. I have amazing present for you right now. I have amazing future for you. But he's not going to come and break down your door. He's just there with his arms out saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Come experience what life should be like. Come experience what hope tastes like. Come experience what significance really feels like. What riches really feel like. Because it might not be the way you think. But God will not impose, he will only invite. He's inviting every single one of us right now whether this is the first time you've heard this message. And maybe I've introduced you to this shepherd. And I want to give you an opportunity for him to 
make Himself known to you. But maybe actually you're in here and you've heard this message and it's been so simple. Yeah, I know, I knew those promises. I knew all that stuff, but it just doesn't feel like it. I feel distant, I feel disconnected. Maybe it's just a reminder for us this morning to not forget the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A simple truth. Do we need to follow the shepherd again? Not get pulled away by religion or, or pulled away by good works. And not that these are bad things. Or pulled away by money or sex or significance or reputation or whatever. Just to follow the shepherd. So I want to encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes. those of you this morning that you want to know this shepherd for yourself or maybe you just need to realign yourself and follow him again I'm going to give you an opportunity before we raise hands before we do all that stuff to just wait in his presence in his peace and if you've never met him before just say God make yourself known to me or if you want to realign yourself, just pray a simple prayer. God, let me follow in your footsteps today and for tomorrow and for the week and the month and for the rest of my life. So for either of those of you this morning, after three, I want you to raise your hand just as a simple between you and God to say, I'm in. I'm not going to pray for you by name. I'm not going to call you out. This is between you and God. So after three, one, two, three. Amazing. Quality. You can put your hands down. Any more people just want to respond to this and say, I want to follow the shepherds. God, I thank you in spite of all that you move. That in spite of that, your word speaks to our hearts. It speaks into our lives. It speaks into our situations. God, I thank you that your word is as relevant today as it ever has been. God, we thank you today that you are so alive and active. That these promises that you make do not come back void. But God, you always come through. Jesus right now for that first group of people that raised their hand to say, I want to know the shepherd. Lord Jesus, introduce yourself to them this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just flood every single part of their life right now. That you would move them. That you would shape them. That you would speak to them. And God, I pray for that second group of people Maybe life has just pulled them a little bit away or maybe they've tried to forge their own path or, or follow something else. But God, I pray today that as they realign themselves back with you, as we as a church just say today, we declare that we align ourselves with you, our shepherd. God, I pray that we would learn to walk differently as though your goodness and your love walk behind us. God, I pray that we wouldn't fall prey to any intimidation, that we wouldn't fall prey to any fear. God, I thank you right now that you've called us to be overcomers. Overcomers of anything that we face. 
And as we approach it in your name, that you've promised that we will make it through. God, help us realign ourselves. Help us follow you with everything today. We trust you. only find purpose, only find freedom when we build them on you. So God, we just lift you up. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.